0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be discussing the show BoJack Horseman, which is a show that is very, very new to me. So I am going to be serving primarily as a moderator on both my panels this week, because as I've mentioned before, animation is not in my wheelhouse and we're doing two animated shows, but my panelists are awesome and I know that it'll be a great discussion and I'm sure I will learn a lot. I actually kind of like these when I'm just kind of listening and taking it all in. It's kind of like doing an interview and I love doing interviews. So I'm excited about this one, but before I have my panelists introduce themselves, Just a quick housekeeping note that, of course, we are on Patreon, so click the link in our show notes or head on over to any of our social medias, click the link tree, click the link there for as little as $3 a month. You support the show, help us keep doing what we're doing, help us keep doing our live streams, all that jazz. Plus, you get some bonus content. The more you donate, you know, it's all tiers like going to a convention. The more you donate, the more you get. We will be editing that a little bit come the new year and offer some more stuff, some more cool things. And once again, like I've mentioned before, if you're an American Horror Story fan, you will definitely want to support us because next year we are going to be covering every single season of American Horror Story. Except for season 10. Well, the first half of season 10 only. So that should be a lot of fun or you'll just witness me just slowly going, I'm never going to get out of this Ryan Murphy black hole that i have found myself in (laughs) bermuda triangle of ryan murphy and everything i watch now somehow gets linked back to him even if it has nothing to do with him it's the weirdest thing okay so i'm gonna have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now ishell from liberty diner dish i'm so happy to have you back on the podcast I am so happy to
0: be here. <laughs> and yes, we do have an episode com- with you coming out in a couple yes. weeks. <laughs> uh, yes, excited. like she said, I am Michelle. I'm from Liberty Diner Dish, we're a uh, Queer as Folk podcast is our name right now. Okay, this is not a real thing, but this is something that has captivated <laughs> me. And then I'll tell you a real thing. Usually I can always tell you books because that's my whole life. But so I'm really into watching videos of Celine Dion performing or doing like backstage antics. Or whatever. I don't know why in my mind I had her as this like kind of uptight rigid person, but she is like um, a ham kind of. So I don't know why I just randomly saw one one day and now I just keep watching them. So that's a fake thing, but I mean, I'm really into it, but it's not, that's, a awesome, though. Thing. that's um, awesome though. <laughs> but I just started watching and, um, Man, I hope I, I Is it Sex Education? Um, That, that, is, that called. is Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just started Watching that and have Been kind of binging my way through that Uh, Yeah, the past Couple weeks, so that's what I'm into right now And that's Celine a, Dion
1: I love that Celine Dion thing Yeah, and we are going to be covering Sex Education Next year, everybody That show has been recommended like I can't even count how many times on this show So I was like, we better cover it and that will prod me to watch it. I've been meaning to watch it, but that'll definitely me watch it.
2: <laughs>
1: and Tanya, what are you into?
2: Uh, yeah. BoJack, which is really not, that's not a great answer because that's what we're talking about. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Tanya Pronounce She, her, I've been binging BoJack Horseman and I am okay. I just want everyone to know all your listeners. I'm okay. Cause it's a tough show to binge, honestly, which you'll, you'll hear why. Um, but my, A little bit more serious answer there is um, I like the Hawkeyes, the Hawkeye series so far on Disney. I have not watched the most recent episode, but I watched the first two. And as a massive fan of the Matt Fraction comics and Kate Bishop, I really think they did a good job of I was not such a fan of Hawkeye and the Avengers, which we can talk about a lot more (laughs) another time Um, but I'm really I think they're doing a good job of blending the Hawkeye comics storyline and the canon of the Avengers films in a way that uh, seems to make sense so far so I'm enjoying that awesome yeah
1: I haven't watched it yet I've been very hesitant because as people know I hate Jeremy Renner (laughs) I used to love Jeremy Renner he was my favorite actor for a while and now I don't. And so that's what's made me hesitate. And so it's like, but there's Vera Formiga and there's all this other stuff. So I'm very torn on whether, I mean, I'm sure I'll eventually watch it because now I have Disney Plus. I didn't have Disney Plus for like ever. So now that I have it, I'm like, maybe I should watch it. But yeah, yeah. And this is Aaron. And I went and saw the movie King Richard, which is primarily focused on the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And I know that some white female critics, <laughs> I, I, I want to emphasize that that it was the white female critics were very upset that the story was focused on King Richard. I mean King Richard, and well, that's the title of it, but <laughs> father, sorry, as opposed to Venus and Serena. But as a lot of people came out and said, well, that's fine because that's what Venus and Serena are some of the producers. That's the story they wanted to tell. And also, it is pretty amazing to see a story about a father that really, really loved his loves his daughters. And Will Smith is really, really good in it. I loved watching the tennis when I was younger. I used to play tennis, so it was cool watching that and all the performances are great. So yeah, so go see that in the theater, or you can watch it on HBO Max. I'm not sure how long it will be on HBO Max, but check that one out. I think it's really good, and I have a feeling Will Smith will be nominated for an Oscar for it, I think. So we shall see, and the cinematography is awesome too. Okay, let's get into BoJack Horseman. This show, of course, well. I'm going to have my panelists describe it a lot better than I'm going to describe it on my notes here. But there's a lot of social commentary on celebrities here and a lot of things, a lot of stuff that this show covers. I binged a lot of this. And like Tanya said, it's really hard to binge this show. (laughs) Not as an insult to the show, because even though I'm not a fan of animation, I actually really kind of liked this one. This is much more like Big Mouth is what it kind of reminded me of. And I got into Big Mouth when we covered Big Mouth. So I want to know, Michelle, how do you think this show handles social commentary, especially when it comes to celebrities, since BoJack Horseman is a celebrity and it's all focused in on Hollywood? How do you think they're addressing that?
0: Oh, gosh, I feel like you started with like the biggest, (laughs) (laughs) the the, the biggest thing. It's like the hardest thing to to, to put into words like it is um, it. It's such a smart show, but you don't even realize that at first, you know, I think I almost had somebody t- had to have to tell me that it's such a smart show because it does deal with so much of that with a lot of social commentary and a lot of you know celebrity culture and things like that, but it handles it in such a smart way. And a lot of times that's not even the main focus or it is, but you don't know it's the main focus because of the way that the show is done. But I, I really like it because it's one of those shows that lives in this weird I wouldn't even, it's like the darker shades of gray <laughs> that where, where it lives, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't say that it's kind of amoral. It, it recognizes like, no, this is a really horrible thing, but, but it doesn't, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just so interesting the way it does it. Like it, it makes light of some things like a satire of some things, but then other things it's like, this is a really big issue. And it just kind of puts it out there and then it just moves on to some gag with Mr. Peanut butter or whatever, <laughs> you know? Okay, Tanya, you talk a little bit. Let me keep thinking.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's I really should have written this down as well. Like I've been thinking about it and it's a difficult show to binge because of the content because as you both have said, there's so many layers to this show that you'll you'll be thinking about it 3 weeks later and I actually want to go back and rewatch it because there's sort of um there's the overall commentary There's the plots and then there's all these like subtext references and then just sight gags and (laughs) jokes that we'll get to. But the social commentary is amazing. It really is, especially the commentary on celebrity. I think it does a really good job of showing the pathology that our culture of celebrity creates. Both for the people who we identify as celebrities, and for those participating in it, without letting people off the hook, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. so it shows that it's it's pathological and very um, problematic as a culture, uh, but it also holds to some extent people accountable for their participation in it and their complicity in that world of of sort of privilege and oppression that said like our world there are you know there's sexism and patriarchy and racism and all kinds of oppressive structures and it's fascinating to me that the character of todd for example is a a a young white man who's kind of a stoner dropout character and he just literally fails into success like or just fall like he like good things just happen to him, no matter what. And I don't know why it took me like five seasons to realize. Oh, that's what that's what they're doing here with this character. He's he's just showing that you know his privilege gets him unearned things. And where where you've got Princess Carolyn, who's literally you know bending over backwards to accommodate um, these things and and run her life. And we'll get more into that. But it just. Yeah, it I really appreciated that. Like it does that deep dive into that culture without letting Bojack just get away with it and say it's society's fault. No, it is, but it's also your responsibility to do something about it.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, with the with the Todd character, it very much is white men fail upwards so much in this country. And white women can too, but white men especially That's why, you know, when people talk about cancel culture, cancel culture is not really a thing because white men can do the crappiest things and be forgiven or do something to make up for it, or do the tiniest, simplest little thing. And they're like this hero, you know, they I see it so many times with celebrity and that's why it's good putting the celebrity spin on here. Well, you'll see it so many times where like some white male will. Uh, you know, like make some donation, like some small donation, or they'll tweet one th- word of support, and everybody's like, Oh, this king, oh my gosh, he's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, seriously, he might not have even tweeted that or done that. It might have been his assistant. And that's the least he could do because I do believe if you have that platform and you're a celebrity. I think there is kind of another responsibility on there that if there are issues in the world that you should use that privilege to speak out about them. I've always believed that because I think if you're gifted that platform, I think it's a good idea to use it for that. So when people praise someone for doing the simplest thing, I'm like, okay. I mean, it's just like you can sum it up in the Imagine video that came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. (laughs) And how tone deaf that was when all the celebrities were singing lines from Imagine and everybody's like, okay, you have all this money in your mansion and you're singing and we're here, you know, struggling. And so I think that's a lot of what the show is also commenting on because we worship celebrity in this world. We just do. I mean, the whole episode in the first season when Bojack goes out of town and (laughs) someone comes by and thinks it's David Boreanaz's home and he (laughs) turns the whole place (laughs) into David and he just like blasters his face and nobody even knows what shows David Boreanaz was in. Don't even know how to describe him, but everybody's obsessed just to go in there. And that just kind of, I don't know, sums that up. So I think it's an interesting commentary, especially also, the fact that you have some characters that are animals and some that are human and the way we also, what's that word? Why is it escaping me? You know, when we give human traits to animals.
2: Anthropomorphize. Thank
1: you. I'm like, how do you, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. yes. <laughs> so I think that also makes it interesting because that's another level of what, I mean, I know I do that to Fergie. I give her human qualities all the time. You know, so I think that's also an interesting way of doing that. So I want to ask about that because I know there are animal puns and background animation. So we'll kind of skip ahead and not just do all the heavy stuff right up front. (laughs) Did that take you a while to get used to a shell that there were animals who were like the main characters or was it really easy or did you like the way they handled
0: that? So I found this show in a weird way. I I had a vague awareness of it, but kind of like you, animation is not my thing. Definitely not like adult animation. That's, that's never been my thing. Um, But I saw a Buzzfeed or similar article that had a list of all of the, the like guest stars. And I was like, this is impressive. And so I was just kind of intrigued by what, what is it about this show that draws that kind of talent, (laughs) you know? Uh, And so anyway, it's because when I saw it, I was just like, "Yeah, there's like a horse guy, and I don't know." <laughs> it was just like, I don't really know what's going on here, and uh, so. Uh, but I, I think I thought all of the characters were animals before I knew about it. But then when I was watching it, I was kind of like, "Okay, is he like? What parts of his body are horse? And what parts, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, because you know, the yeah. snake has like two legs, but then a maggot just kind of slides on the floor. So it was just a very interesting thing how it was done. So. I think I was curious to see, were they going to have more human traits or was it going to be a mix, which is what it ended up being for the most part. It's kind of a mix where Mm -hmm. they're humanoids, but they're still their animal part, I guess. Uh, So I got used to it pretty quickly, I think. It didn't put me off as much as I thought it might. Yeah. Yeah. And Tanya?
2: yeah i I think I had the same question about that you had Ishel, about where does he have hooves or does he have feet <laughs> his feet um which is weird but it's um yeah it is interesting the way that they don't they never explain it and they never mm-hmm. um try they, it's just there and I you know it probably would take a smarter, more media savvy, less tired person than me to make the contrast between the human and the animal characters. But the thing I love is the puns and the way the personality traits are sort of woven into the, the animal characteristics. So maybe it's sort of a shorthand in the way that, um, you know, if you are a fan fiction writer, you use existing characters or worlds so that you can just explore different things like that. And so maybe they're using the animal traits to kind of be like a a jumping off point, if you will. And like, for example, Mr. Peanut Butter, who I love, I I think he might be my favorite character, even though he's obnoxious. He just really wants everyone to love him. And I'm like, it is such a golden retriever. Like, I love you. I don't, you know, and I am just always going to be a good boy. And I just want everyone to call me a good boy. And he gets so happy. And the way his ears go like a like a retriever um, they're just so great and then yeah the the horse metaphors are, are kind of interesting and th- anyway there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of different kind of commentary through that and sometimes in the background characters will just be being animals and they never they don't say anything like there was one it, this happens all the time but um, it's the subplot where Diana's in Chicago. And they show an external shot of the building she's living in with her, with her boyfriend and uh, a character next door is a groundhog and he just, he's dressed for work and he just comes out. And instead of getting on a bus, he like jumps in a hole and like goes, (laughs) and that's, you know, it's just stuff like that where it's um, just very random or the paparazzi sometimes are birds. So they can fly and be outside of the celebrity's building and be taking photos and kind of, you know being invasive that way so it's kind of interesting i mean i know when i was talking to my sister about this and
1: she's like wait so so is it weird that there are animals do they acknowledge this is that like no it's just like and you know i think you would have to delve deeper to see if there is kind of any kind of hierarchy or anything like that because i was trying to figure that out watching it like are certain animals are they placed on higher pedestals but it doesn't even seem like that either. It's just kind of like, okay, it's just the way the world is. (laughs) It's like, no question about it, which I think is kind of interesting. I think it's better than if people had been like, oh, it's a horse or, oh, it's a dog talking or, you know, one day all the animals started (laughs) walking upright or something like that. I think that would have been kind of silly. So I like that it doesn't do that. And yeah, I mean, I I like Mr. Peanut Butter because it's it's a dog, and I love dogs, and it's very much like a dog. I mean, the whole chasing the mailman, it's just like, <laughs> even that, and all the you know, always wanting to shake uh, Bojack's hand, always wanting to get that that approval because that is what dogs do, especially golden retrievers, but dogs in general are just like, I love you. 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 That's all they're about. So it's, it's interesting watching it, but yeah. Ishal, since you said, you know, you looked at all the guest stars that were on here. So do you have a favorite or a top three? I thought about this. Okay.
0: So, um, there was something that I was just kind of shocked by. And so I'll say my favorite for last, but definitely was shocked by Angela Bassett. And um, I really liked Zach Braff. I know a lot of people probably don't like Zach Braff, but I like Zach Braff. (laughs) And (laughs) Daniel Radcliffe, of course, uh, because of my Harry Potter obsession. But I think my favorite would be Margot Martindale as character actress Margot Martindale. (laughs) Because (laughs) I love that she's in on the joke and that she allows herself to be written and portrayed this way. And I just think it's so It's hilarious and it's just so clever and so I think that's probably my favorite. Tanya,
2: I'm right there. I was gonna mention Margot Martindale. (laughs) I was like, and I loved uh, Justified, which she won an Emmy for her guest role on Justified, and she is fantastic. She was fantastic in, oh my gosh, the feminist. um, Oh God, I can't remember what it's called, but it was on uh, FX last summer. Mm -hmm. It's about the feminist movement. She's amazing, Um, and but she's this really wild, wild. you know, deviant version of herself. And it's it's a it's wonderful. I also really liked, I had to look up who this was. Joey Pogo is hil was Hillary Swank. And I was like, I don't who is that? And it's a really funny kind of mashup of Justin Bieber and maybe like the Logan Paul kind of like the YouTube celebrity sort of mm-hmm. comments. But the other one that I loved, loved was Paget Brewster as the reporter, the pig, the pig. There's these two reporters in the last season that are trying to get that end up being instrumental in in the plot of of Bojack being held to account for his past uh, behavior. And she's just this fast talking. She talks like a 1930s reporter and everything rhymes and it's super fast. And she sounds like she's from another era. And she always has like an old fashioned telephone for some reason. I'm not even like a. I'm not. I don't even mean like a dial phone. I mean like an old, you know, the the. I like mean rotary thing. Not yeah, but even the um, the cone sort of thing with the handset. Oh. That, like, and yeah. where, you, where you had to plug in, where wouldn't some of the operate, you'd have to call the operator and then the operator would. Sorry, Maybe, maybe I'll send you a picture. But anyway, it's just at one point, you know, she's just talking like that and she's very old fashioned and the character is not that old. And they just go, why do you have that? Like, and they just move on. It's just a silly um, reference to the way Hollywood portrays reporters or like the the idea of we're going to present this as some no one ever talks like this so this is like a thing that hollywood created and now we're going to come back to it and put it back in the story and sort of reference it which is great also i know there's like too many good guest stars andre oh my gosh from brooklyn Nine Nine captain holt he's a really good guest star someone will look it up for us i'm looking it up right now i'm gonna look it up right. and mrs yeah. america by
1: the way was the name of that
2: thank you show
1: Andre, Andre Brower. Brower,
2: thank you. He is fantastic. He is a, a political rival of Mr. Peanut Butters, and it's it's a that whole politics thing. Oh boy, that's great. Mr. Peanut Butter runs for governor.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't, I I won't add much because I can't think of all the because I'm not positive of every celebrity that's been on here. But I just want to add, I love it when celebrities and when actors don't take themselves so seriously, I think it's a lot more attractive when an actor can poke fun at themselves and look at how ridiculous some of their life is. For example, like, you know, Kevin Bacon with the whole Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon and how he embraced that and turned that into a joke. And and I just really, I think that's a lot more attractive. So the fact that I know this show has had so many big name celebrities that you wouldn't think, on the surface might do this, but then they go and do it and it just kind of gives you a different side to them, I think. So, yeah. Before we get into some of the other topics, I just want to quickly just put a quick trigger warning, uh, just because I'm not sure how deep we will get into this stuff, but because we will probably be bringing up stuff about addiction, uh, mental illness, like self-hatred, self-acceptance. The Me Too movement might come up as well. Gun debate might come up as well because I know that was another topic they covered, the handling of sexuality and race. And so I just want to give a trigger for that so that if anything that is if any of that is triggering, like any um, thing having to do with Me Too or anything like that stuff we've covered before, you know, sometimes we can get really deep into it. So I just wanted to put that first. Okay, so we'll get into first how the show handles addiction and mental illness. So to me, at least on the surface, what it appears is, I mean, Bojack drinks a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot, a lot.
2: You might so- even, you might even say he drinks like a horse.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> and there's a lot of other addiction shown throughout too, uh, because addiction, you know, runs rampant through our society and can be a really prevalent in um, Hollywood and in that industry. So Ishelle, how do you think they handle that?
0: I think it's very similar to some of the other stuff that we have talked about that they handle it. They um, they just kind of put it out there and you don't feel you don't feel maybe at some points for Bojack you feel sorry for him but for some of the other characters you don't. Like Sarah Lynn is deep into addiction. Like all kinds of drugs and drinking and all that stuff and ultimately leads to her her, her demise, her death, but um you know, so you don't, it's not like, a, oh, this poor character, they're trying to cope with their day. Like they don't really present it in that way, not all the time. And so it's very interesting how they do handle it. Yeah, and so then with, with Bojack's character, you see, and at first it's kind of like, okay, he's just drinking because he's sad, but then you're like, oh no, he has a real problem. But what's interesting about it is they, for most of the series, they never address it as an addiction issue. Like other people might mention it vaguely around him, but it's never really acknowledged that he has a serious problem. Uh, and even with that's even the case with some of the other characters as well. Like it's not really acknowledged that they have this this huge problem because you'll see. I think it's early in season one. You see him and Sarah Lynn and Todd together, and they're all like taking all these pills, and they go on this big bit where they're trying to rewrite his book. It's it's that episode. So it's not really called what it is at the beginning. I think that's on purpose. And so I think that was very smart of them because a lot of times that is the case. People don't call it addiction mm-hmm. while they're deeply into it. Uh, because once you start to acknowledge it's an addiction, that's usually when you're turning toward some type of help, you know? So I thought, I feel like that part was very interesting, um, but they don't really celebrate it either. It's just kind of put out there that this is how he's living his life. And these are the choices that he's making and. I'm gonna go with that for right now, then I'll circle back to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Cause when
1: we circle back to like the mental illness, that of course plays a part with addiction as well sometimes.
2: And Tanya. I agree. It's like every social issue or commentary I think in this show is with all the the you know puns they make about animals, everything is complicated and complex and layered, just like real life. So you've got this fantasy you know world where where there's anthropomorphic animal human things but the problems they deal with are very much layered and difficult and i think one thing this show does well is uh things that are our issues come back so it it doesn't let itself off the hook too much so like there'll be something that happens and you're like oh we should deal with that and then it hap- they deal with, I'm being very vague. Okay. But with the, with the addiction <laughs> issue, I agree. Like he's drinking a lot, like right away. And it's not necessarily normalized, but again, it, as Ishel said, it's not really named and the way um, they show the, um, oh, when he does go to rehab and the way that works, it's called pastiches, which is pretty great. And the, there's a little bit of critique of the of the um, rehab industry and the, and the get help industry. And like, that is very expensive. And the only reason he can be there is because he's wealthy. And so there's some of that implicit critique that not everyone who, who wants this help can get it. They also, one thing I thought about um, addiction and, and alcoholism in particular is they show that he's got both kind of environmental inputs and I guess genetic and socialization inputs if you will in terms of the addiction which is that mirrors what we what we know about addiction that it is not just genetics it is not just environment it is not just socialization it's kind of all of those things so people we know that people who have alcoholic or parents who have histories of addiction have a greater likelihood. That does not mean there's an addiction gene, right? It's so, it's too difficult to separate all of that scientifically, at least in terms of social science. I'm speaking as a social scientist now, not necessarily as a genetics expert, <laughs> um, but that's that's what we understand. So I think that that's well done that they show, okay, he does have parents who both had issues. He has um, a social context in which he is enabled, right? and he has mental health issues and things that he's self-medicating for, and he's not held responsible. Perfect storm, perfect storm for addiction, right? And so I think that's actually really well done. Yeah, and I'll just comment about, you know, facilities and
1: treatment facilities
2: and stuff like
1: that. And, you know, as I've been very, very open about my own struggles with mental health and mental illness and my family, like both sides, Alcoholism is just through both sides. So I know most of the people in my family um, have never, ever, ever, ever said they're alcoholics. I mean, it's like this secret that everybody kind of knows. It's like this not really hidden, but open, but nobody talks about it. But it's like there, you know, it's like, yes, I know that a lot of my family members are alcoholics or quote unquote functioning alcoholics. I know for sure my dad is an alcoholic and so it is interesting to watch something where it's not necessarily like you see them go into rehab and go to recovery and go to, because honestly, a lot of times people never, ever, ever get help for their addiction and a lot of times people just go through their whole life with that addiction or sometimes they will get help but instantly, you know, fall off the wagon. And then with, as far as the amount of help that is offered, it is true. The more money you have, the more help you're going to get or the better quality of care, I should say, because there are different levels of quality of care uh, that you will get, you know, there's the, the public and then there's the posh places. And I remember once I was in a very, 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 very low point, kind of like almost suicidal and. I remember calling a place that just seemed like the best place I would need. And it was like $3,000 a week kind of thing. And nope. I mean, (laughs) who has that money? And they didn't take insurance, didn't take (laughs) it. So it's like, it's that kind of thing. It's like, we have this thing where we're like, Oh, just reach out for help. But the help that you're going to get if you don't have money is a band aid. So I'm glad that the show addresses that. And then also that the show addresses the fact that it's not like, Everybody always talks about the fact that so-and-so is an addict. It just, it's not realistic because that's not the way it usually happens. Cause I've known more addicts that don't ever get help than addicts that do get help. So, yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit more about the, the mental health and how they handle that, especially self-hatred and versus self-acceptance. Because I do think, and like I said, I'm not as well-versed in the show, as my other two panelists, but I do think just from the very beginning, any character like Bojack who comes off as someone who's totally self-involved only cares about himself. I think a lot of times when people are like that or horses are like that, (laughs) it means that they actually don't like themselves very much. So Ishelle, what do you think about that, about how the show addresses that, the self-hatred versus self-acceptance kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I think it does a really good job with with that as well. And kind of flirting on that line, I guess, with, um, because there is a lot of self-hatred in him. And at first you don't pick up on that. You think he's just kind of depressed because he hasn't had a job recently or whatever. But as it starts to, and I love the way that it's, it makes you like, it's kind of a slow burn in some ways. Like some things are very fast, like I said, with, with the comedy or the gags or the satire. But as far as, peeling back the layers of Bo of Bojack. It's a very slow burn in some ways where over the seasons, you get to see more of his backstory and why he is the way that he is. And it's the same thing with his mental illness. They don't ever label, they don't label it that early on. It's not until near the very end, if at all, they explicitly say it, but they paint you a better picture of what's going on with him uh, later, later in the series. And you know for me he's a very hard character to process because he's going to be very awful in a lot of ways and he's very self involved and but he's also a very broken person and i'm kind of like you Aaron i picked up on that at the very beginning like okay there's got to be something broken about him that makes him this way um and he doesn't always understand himself so it's not even just hating himself sometimes he doesn't even understand himself i think there are times when he genuinely doesn't know why he does a certain thing or doesn't do a certain thing. I think um, I, I definitely think that that's part of his, of his makeup. And um, I think even for me as an audience member, by the time you think that you've got him figured out and you've decided, okay, do I love him? Do I hate him? Do I just kind of feel sorry for him? Do I pity him? Like by the time you get settled on that, then some new element is unveiled about him or his personality or his addiction or his mental illness or his struggles or his self-hatred or whatever and so you kind of have to reassess like okay now what do now what do i think based on this new information or this new ridiculous or awful thing that he's done and i'll tell you so when i found this show it was uh just oh gosh last year <laughs> um uh because uh, it was quarantine times so when i was watching it i was working we got immediately sent home had to work from home and i was like well i need something to be in the background and so that's when i had you know discovered this show i was like i'm just gonna put it on in the background but then, after a while, I was like, "Wait a minute! Let me rewind that. Let me rewind that." <laughs> but so, also going on in my life as I was watching this show and quarantining, and kind of like you with um, Ryan Murphy, everything in my life, right, it ties back to Queer's folk, kind of. So, I was in the middle of developing my my podcast, and um, and you know, in the show that we cover, there's this character who struggles with self hatred and who has this like weird. Darkness to him, but you know that there's light there, Um, and so I was very intrigued by that. And so I was really actually watching BoJack to help me process Brian Kenny on the other show. (laughs) Uh, And Aaron, you might understand
1: that nobody else. I totally understand. No, I totally, totally, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Total
1: Brian Kenny character.
0: Yeah, but uh, (laughs) anyway, so I can see, I can see all of that stuff, and and I'm a, I'm speaking as a psychologist. I love that kind of stuff. I love a a very layered and complex and and complicated person that is neither good nor bad and not hopeless, but, um, can still be maddening, (laughs) you know? And, but I do like how they handled his, his self-hate and they showed how it doesn't just affect him. It affected everybody around him. Like he ruined a lot of, a lot of things in relationships and how he would intentionally sabotage other people's lives because, you know, like with Todd and when he wanted to do the rock opera and he sabotages Todd because he doesn't want him to leave him alone because he's been abandoned and lonely and sad his whole life and so I just really like how they show not only how it affects him but how it affects the people around him and how it has these tendrils that just kind of crawl out and just take hold of everything around it and then the self-acceptance thing again going back to that I think he again he doesn't really want to accept himself because he doesn't want to accept the bad parts of himself I think he doesn't there's a part of him doesn't want to believe that he is can be this bad person. So I just think it's very for a cartoon. I mean, they are dealing with some deep stuff. I'll just say it that way. (laughs) Very well said. Yeah. And Tanya.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I agree. I think it completely makes sense that he is, he hates himself. He really, he really has horrible self-esteem and that as you learn him, as a character in his backstory, you understand why, and you understand that they they do a great job of showing why he is the way he is, again, without letting him off the hook for his behavior. So he he has he does some really terrible things. Uh, he makes some really awful mistakes and he does some really good things and he does try to redeem himself, but they don't. He is never a hero, an anti-hero. He is a very complicated being, as, as everyone is on the show. And I should say, I didn't say how I got into this show. Um, my kids recommended it to me, which sounds terrible. But I'm going to add that my children are 18 and 20 yeah. <laughs> that have watched this. <laughs> so let me just, yeah, my kids were talking about this cartoon. <laughs> my five-year-old dad know. Yeah, <laughs> mommy why is the horse so drunk and sad no i'm sorry that that was a horrible you can tell i've been watching too much of this show but they kept they kept talking about it and i i thought okay if they both are so into this i've gotta i've gotta try it and it took me a little while to get into it i think season two you got to give it a, a a try and get to season two. I think is where it kind of goes to the next level of of more interesting for me. Um, but yeah, the self hatred. The um, you know Diane struggles with this as well, and she's got some. The episode where they explore her depression is really really interesting. I thought that was very well done. Even somebody like Herb Kazaz, right? He is not. I don't think he has self hatred, but he's repressed. He's a repressed closeted gay man right for most of the the series and that becomes that's part of something that Bojack did that was awful um right and and it just uh everyone is dealing with some level of trying to figure out how to make peace with themselves except for maybe Mr. Peanut Butter a little bit Mr. Peanut Butter but not not so much like he's he kind of works through it Yeah. So it it is really interesting, but Bojack just, he needs, it's like he needs validation or he can't, he can't um, justify his existence. Like, and that is very troubling. That is not where your external, that's not where your self-esteem needs to come from, from a healthy place. You need to value yourself and what you're doing in the world, obviously for its own right. And he eventually kind of gets there. Um, but it takes him six seasons or something to get to that point of like, okay, I need to not be about what other people think of me all the time, which
0: is still tough. (laughs) I'm sorry, real quick, I want to answer. You know, you brought up that they're all struggling with it. I think that's exactly right. Sometimes you don't see it on the front end, but even Princess Carolyn, who seems like the strong independent woman, like, I think she hates that she has to play the game of this male-driven industry, but she knows that she has to if she wants to have any type of success. Like we know that she started out as like an assistant and then has worked her way up, but she still knows that she can only climb so high and that she has to play their game. And I think that she does hate that about herself. I hate hates that she has to do it that way. So yeah, it shows you several different people dealing with issues like self-acceptance and self-hatred. And they all have different reasons for it. And I think that's very fascinating to not just put all of that on Bojack or even just Diane, but like, like you said, kind of all of them are having to deal with that.
1: Yeah. And, and what's interesting, I think, I think it's more interesting to have a character and characters that are more complex and not just like, you know, Oh, this is the good person and this is the bad person because humans are complex. We just are, we're not all just, you know, bad, good, you know, you know, up, down, it's a mixture of that. And we all do good things and we all do bad things. So I think showing that is more realistic and especially showing it with a character like Bojack, who on the surface is very much this egotistical guy who is just upset because he used to be the most famous guy on television and he used to be you know just the biggest name and now he's got somebody else is taking over that and also he's just struggling he's struggling you know he's going to be writing a book and all this stuff and and where does he fit in anymore and if you look at it just on the surface you might think that all of that you know drinking and all of his self-hatred isn't really self-hatred and that it's more like, oh, he's just fame hungry and he just wants the attention. And while I think there is a part of that that is there, I think, you know, when people do become famous, I think sometimes they can like crave that, like their world becomes different. But I think also underneath it all is that's such a shallow thing. Fame is so shallow. So if you don't have that and it gets taken away and you're used to that, I think for him, part of it is also struggling to find well, who am I? If I'm not this famous person who's on the best show on television, who in the world am I and where do I fit in in this world? Mm-hmm. And I think that's also what the character is exploring. That's what I got, which I just think is really interesting to watch and to look at characters do that because mm-hmm.
2: I think we're all kind of doing that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, I I will, if it's cool to jump back in on that. Oh I yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite things about it is that, really just about every character makes at least some kind of mistake that they have to, every main character that they have to deal with and and reconcile with their values. Um, and even, or and or has to deal with self-acceptance. So I was thinking about Todd and his journey um, to accept his identity of asexual, right? And he, it's not that he doesn't accept himself. It's just more that he doesn't have the information or the, the, I, the, the, um, language or the education to understand, but he, he does know that he is expected to be a certain way by society and just never can fit into that, um, heteronormative identity. So his journey and that part of it is really interesting, I think too. And that he's also kind of saying like, I, I want to have companionship. I want the romantic companionship part of things. I am just asexual and it's not, it doesn't make me less of a man. It doesn't make me less valid, but he has to go through all of that um, as an individual in a, in a usually kind of a funny way. (laughs) He builds the sex robot. Uh, Yeah, that was, that was really (laughs) ridiculous and very funny, but it, I think it's really just a parody of how obsessed our society is with sex at the same time. We're so repressed about it. That's what I got Mm -hmm. out of the mist. I forget what it's called the robot, but (laughs) yeah,
1: I think we're so obsessed with sex because we are so repressed. Honestly, I think that's a lot of the reason we are because it's such this thing if it's taboo, but we are very obsessed with it. I mean, look at the pornographic industry and, and the way we treat violence versus sex on screen and, the way we treat sexuality and especially when it comes to gender dynamics, when it falls in that as well. So yeah, I, th- I think that's why we are so obsessed with sex because we are such a puritanical country, really, the way we view sex. it's It's really kind of sad to me, but yeah. Okay, well, I want to talk a lot about representation and different things that they talk about in this show. And I wanted to read, I have to find it here because um, I have it pulled up here because I like this quote here. The creator, Raphael Bob Waxberg. I'm really hoping I'm saying that correctly. I probably am not because I never can pronounce things correctly. But in a 2017 interview with Vice where he was talking about the concept of political correctness, that, you know, a lot of comedians say we're too politically correct. And he actually, I really love what he said here. But, but he said, I think most people who argue for what you might call political correctness are not actually arguing for censorship. They're arguing for self-control and self-restraint. They're arguing for people to be conscious of the power they have, right? And I believe that I have a lot of power as someone making popular entertainment. I do think we have to be careful about the art we put out. And I just really liked that because I do think that too often uh, people in comedy and comedians like to just say we're being too politically correct when people don't like certain things that are being said or when people want people to examine um, their comedy or examine what we used to find funny or what we laughed at or when you look back at media and examine stuff from like, say the eighties, like we just talked about eighties movies and there's a lot of problematic stuff in that and examining it, I think is a good thing. And so that's kind of what I took from what he said there. And I just like that because you do have a responsibility, I think with what you're putting out there. And yes, the show is pushing the envelope, of course. Uh, But I think uh, what he was saying is just, you can do that, but also do it in a responsible way where you are acknowledging what you're doing. You acknowledge that you have that power. So I just really liked that. So I wanted to read that. So I want to start first, of course, with asexuality, since uh, you just mentioned that, Tanya, with the character of Todd, which is addressed later on. But in the last episode of the third season, here's another quote I'm going to read. Todd says, I'm not gay. I mean, I don't think I am, but I don't think I'm straight either. I don't know what I am. I think I might be nothing. And what's so important about having an asexual character in a show is, you know, lots of shows, they'll have lesbian, gay, and that's it. And very rarely is there anything else explored in the LGBTQIA community. So it's very nice to have representation at all of that because sadly it is so, so rare. So Ishael, how do you think they handled
0: that? Now, this might paint me in a bad light, but I didn't really know much about asexuality before watching this show and kind of getting into, into that, um, into that, that arc with him. Uh, and so, um, and it's kind of interesting because it's kind of put me on my own as on my own kind of self-discovery journey and like, okay, what does it mean to be not asexual or aromantic or whatever, you know? So I really appreciated that they, that they put that in there, you know, especially for Nick to have Todd next to a character like Bojack, who is drug, sex and rock and roll for his own reasons, of course. So to have Todd be the character, kind of be next to him in a way. Um, as an asexual character i thought that was very fascinating very interesting and to have it be where they didn't make him a a eunuch uh just because' <laughs> like you know it's like no he deliberately intentionally this is his orientation this is how he identifies himself um and but to see him go through that journey was also very interesting as well so um i really like that they that they did include that i always say you know i try not to Take up a seat at a table that I'm not (laughs) invited to when I'm talking about certain things. And so, for a person who, who does identify as an asexual person, I'm not really sure how they would feel how it was handled. But for me, as a person who's still learning about these things, I really like the introduction of that. I really like how they had us explore that with Todd and how he did try all these different things. Okay, well, maybe I like this, or maybe I like that. Okay, but what if I don't want the sex part, but I do want the romance part? Or what if I don't want the romance part, but I do want this part? And so, I do like how they had that conversation with, um, with the audience through Todd's character.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say before getting to you, Tanya, don't feel bad. I don't, I don't think it makes you a bad person because honestly, we are all learning. There are things that I'm learning constantly, things I'm trying to educate myself on and things I'm trying to get better about and not say. And so I think the key is educating, education and educating yourself and learning because we all are learning. So I just wanted to say that. <laughs> so thank you, Ishel.
2: And then Tanya. Yeah, I, I agree. I really appreciate what you said. uh, shall. I do not identify, I identify as straight and I am curious what people in the ACE community mm-hmm. would, how they would feel or what their opinions would be about that representation. Um, for me as a, straight person who does have ace friends and friends of different identities i i thought it was it was well done i appreciated that his he had to figure it out i guess because a lot of us do even if we do identify as straight you know understanding your feelings of attraction whether they're romantic whether they're sexual can be a, a process and i think that they'd never I never felt that they belittled him in that journey. Like he that was empowering for Todd to <laughs> this sounds weird to talk about empowering Todd, but um <laughs> that was empowering for him, even though I I mean society was pressuring him and belittling him and and you know, showing some of what what people face um in terms of social structures. But for Todd, I, I felt it was really empowering and he came into his own through that journey and started to be more independent and started to um, also push back against the way he's being treated by BoJack and other people. So he found himself a bit, you know, through part of that process. Very well said. I don't, I don't have much to add. I just
1: do think, you know, I would be curious too. I should have looked that up to see if there were any articles written or anything like that, just to see, the feedback from the community and how they think it was handled. Because I think that's the most important voice to listen to as far as like, if it was handled well or not, because you, because if you are not in that community and you're watching and you may think it's handled well, and then someone's like, uh-uh, this is not okay. Then it can make you look at it differently. But, but like I said, it's all a learning process and we're all learning. And as long as you're willing to, like you said, he shall not take a seat at the table and not be like, well, I'm going to tell you that what you're saying is wrong because I think it's this way. Even though I don't live this life, is not the way to do it. More sitting back, listening. Yes, <laughs> sorry, Tanya just said a little thing. Said straight splain. I like that. I think that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. You know, because a lot of people are into different things, and you know, and and there's a lot of different sexualities. There's a lot of different identities. There's a whole you know rainbow and i don't i'm not saying that just as because of the rainbow i'm just saying there's just a whole different wide array out there that we don't always understand and we might not know about and so it's all about listening and learning and educating yourself but also not making everybody else do the heavy lifting so it's also about that so so i appreciate that the show has this especially because like i said it's so rare that it's not just, you know, a gay man or a gay woman, that it's somebody else. It's very rare that you would have that. Like, we're starting to get a little tiny, tiny bit better about trans rep- representation. And when I say tiny, I mean like tiny, tiny bit better, but we're getting a little bit, but we need more of that. So, everybody deserves to see themselves on screen. So, yeah, but I, I'm going to have to research and see. What, and if any of our listeners feel comfortable enough coming and telling us what you think, please feel free to do that. So. Tackle Me Too in here. They do even have an episode that is co- called Hank After Dark in season two, episode seven, that is commonly referred to as the Cosby episode. But I want to get uh, your thoughts on how you think they handle gender dynamics, and then also the Me Too movement. Michelle.
0: So with the gender dynamics, we do see we do see some misogyny in the show, and some of it from BoJack and. uh things like that. And some of it with the women allowing themselves in a way to be treated you know, this way by him or to keep coming back to him or to keep enabling him or whatever, because he is very horrible to Princess Carolyn at times and very horrible to Diane at times. And then some of the other characters who just are in one episode or another. And even in some weird ways, his relationship with Sarah Lynn like that crosses into some really weird, really weird and interesting places. But then, but then there are other times where we do see some, we do see some, I guess, pro-feminist things also. So, you know, I'm not saying it's equal balance because I don't think it is, but I think that's intentional. They didn't make it that way because it's not the way the the real world is. And so it was, in a lot of ways, it's a reflection of what the real world is. Yeah, so I want to point that out. But also um, in that, I was actually just watching that one the other day, that episode that you referenced. And I think they were saying that they actually wrote that before the so Harvey, um, Gonna, Weinstein Weinstein yeah before that actually all came out they had already written that episode and so they were kind of like, oh do we still put it out do we not <laughs> whatever I do I like how they brought that up and even with the Bill Cosby thing how they brought it up and they handled it like they handle everything else with this episode there' are some people who are like you know they they kind of brush it off because it's like oh he's this you know what do you call that when the celebrity like everybody recognizes their face and the family loves them what do you call that? Do you know what I'm talking like, about?
1: Like a, a role model or like a mm. idol? Like a
0: no, there's a um, phrase that people use. I can't remember. I can't remember it, but it. uh yeah, anyway. I'm trying to think of it. Yeah, it'll it'll come to me tomorrow when I no longer need it. <laughs> <laughs> but, or tonight when you're lying down. Mm-hmm, like, oh, when I'm trying to go to sleep, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> 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 let me let me call here and tell her. Anyway, and so I think that they showed all like some of not, maybe not all the whole gamut of different reactions to it, but they did show the range of it where it was like, no way would he do something like that. And other people, just a few people were like, yeah, I'm kind of shocked by that. Or I'm disappointed by that. And so I, I guess I'm kind of stumbling through saying, I really appreciated how they did handle it in a very honest way to where, they did show you that a lot of people get away with this. Like Diane makes some comment, I think in the episode right before that one, or maybe it's that episode when she says other people have done things worse than than BoJack. And then they're like, who? And she gives this like laundry list of, of all of these celebrities. And then when they finally get to um, the Harry that you, well, the one that you talked about, then they're like, what? No, no way. But I think that in a lot of these names that she's saying, these are big name celebrities. And it's like, that's true. We have either turned a blind eye or, because of their celebrity, we've decided to forgive them or or excuse it or overlook it. And so I think it's very smart and very, um, I'm losing another word, but I, it's very interesting how they handled it. I'll just, I'll settle on that word. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Tanya.
2: Yeah, I think that's, I appreciate that. I was looking up that episode because it's been a while since I watched that one. Um, But it is, I appreciate the the commentary um, on gender throughout the show. It's I think some of my favorite things that they do through various characters um, are the the episode about abortion, right? And uh, that's interesting. I need to revisit that for sure. And then uh, let's see what is it? Um, there's a director. I like this character. She's a smaller character. She directs Secretariat. That character, I'm blanking on the character's name, but she's a female director and she's this indie director and they kind of follow her through her struggles in Hollywood. Uh, and and she has an opportunity later to sort of sell out, if you will, and be a major movie director. Um, and, she, and she even runs into an old classmate who's a, a male director and he's like, what? I'm making more money than you or I'm directing... You know, you're not directing this, and I am. And she's like, "Yeah, because you're a guy, a white guy." Um, and they sort of address that, and they compare these two. And she's a very talented person, uh, and so she has the opportunity to sell out, and she almost does it, and she can't live with herself, and she has to go back and say, "No, never mind. Don't do it. Don't do that. It's a sellout anyway. It's a specific thing." And then Princess Carolyn, the whole episode where she is dealing with being a single mom and the magazine is doing some sort of shoot like women who do it all and it's just it's over the top but all these celebrity women who are like oh yes i instantly lost the baby weight and i'm planning this very detailed party and i'm never tired and i work all the time and etc etc and they they really show the um the uh, inherent sort of contradictions in that, and also the the problems with holding, you know, setting all of those standards for women where men just get to be (laughs) very lazy all the time. So they show this double standard, not very lazy, that's a bad way to put it, but they can get away with things that women characters can't. And um, they show this a lot, right, throughout. And then it gets complicated, as you're saying, or, or complex because there's a character, the apparently season five, one of my children told me this, <laughs> season five, the Filbert show, where they've got the very misogynistic sort of um, Wonderkin director voiced by Rami Malik, I think and he's just he's just a freaking mess of a of a character and very misogynistic and it there's that season is complicated but the female characters are just treated terribly and then um, a personal incident happens between bojack and so bojack and the and the female lead character who's voiced by the actress who plays Rosa Diaz end up having a relationship and then um, bojack is deep into his addiction and having hallucinations. And he ends up, he's supposed to be choking her for a scene and he ends up almost killing her like basically. And so he, and that's horrific. I am, I'm not shying away from that at all, but the show then goes to, she doesn't want to tank the show. So she has this pressure that she, the the actor, is finally getting this role, finally getting, you know, recognition and getting other parts. And she has PTSD and what happened to her was an assault and terrible and she should have, you know, had him taken to jail, of course, for that. But she has this perverse incentive to um, facilitate her career by keeping that quiet and not sort of letting the bad press that it would create for BoJack caused the show to be unsuccessful. I mean, talk about like whether they intended that to be a commentary on the way we are all manipulated into doing things that are literally against our self-interest by systems, right? Because we, we need a livelihood. That's how I read that. And that was you know you're frustrated you don't want that i'm like don't let him get away with this right he needs to and and he doesn't get away with it is a is a bad way to put it but it um you know that's just really fascinating the way that they do that and the show ends up getting tanked anyway for other things that bojack did so that is i think a very fascinating commentary that um you know both that character finds herself in that position and is is sort of you know can't can't win either way. Um I had another point but I'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that
1: was great. Thank you. And I you know speaking as someone who I've spoken about my me too moment on a film set and having someone say um, you know, well you just have to get thicker skin or not be in this industry. And that's the attitude of it and that's why it's very telling that Uh, To me, having that character do that and not say anything is is a comment on industries everywhere, but a big commentary on that industry and how that industry plays by its own set of rules and has for decades and decades and decades. And while things are sort of getting better, there still is that problem, I think. And you see it also with. Sorry, I just remembered.
2: I'm so sorry, Erin. Okay. I didn't mean interrupt. Um, so she, this character, I'm I'm forgetting her name. Um, but she ends up having PTS from this, mm-hmm. carries it on to the next set, and then has a really bad episode when she gets triggered by something that the director that is a change the director made, and that hurts her career. So it hurts her career. Regardless, either way, like mm-hmm. she because she has that. She has that um, episode, and then that she becomes known as difficult. You know, I'm making mm-hmm. air quotes for people who can't see me on the on the yeah. audio. She becomes known as difficult, and when there's an opportunity for her to be in this big blockbuster, she uh, the director kind of kind of sells her like under the under throws her under the bus because you know he says she's difficult.
1: Yeah, and that's very true to what because you're told you don't do that. You don't say anything because if you say something, you will get that reputation because you do one thing that's negative or is perceived as negative, even if it's not negative and it has a ripple effect and your whole career can just be
0: over in like literally like a second. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. You made me think. It's one thing for a woman to be labeled as difficult, like that's a career ending. But for a man to be labeled as difficult is, oh, it's his creative genius. It just makes him like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that when you said that, I, I thought about that.
1: Bingo. Like there's a lot of people like Joss Whedon, for example, who, and a lot of, and Harvey Weinstein is the biggest example of that because not only with his sexual harassment, charges and allegations but also the fact that he was always deemed as this really toxic person anyway and there are uh why his name is escaping me now but there was just a big article about him and he's the guy that if you've ever seen the movie Swimming with Sharks which also has someone playing this guy Kevin Spacey who's also horrible has horrible allegations against him too but it was based on this guy and it's like watching this director or this producer who's just awful and horrible and abuses his assistant, who's who's a man, you know, mentally abuses him and has always abused the assistants. And I wish I could remember the name of the producer that that one's supposed to be sort of loosely based on, but, but it's very, that's the way that industry is sadly. And that's a lot of the reason. Well, also just the aftermath of after I did come forward, <laughs> I, I did say something mainly because I didn't want other women to be hurt worse than me. And I ended up being completely punished and everything, you know, and you know, what happened to me is on film and I don't know where that film is. So it's, so it is, it's this very, it's this thing of like, you don't want to rock the boat. And so there is that kind of thing that you're talking about, Tanya, where it is like, okay, so you're kind of enabling it, but at the same time, you're in a vulnerable position because you this is what your dream to do. This is your livelihood. But you're also having to deal with that PTSD afterward. And what do you do? And it's this very weird position to be in. And, mm-hmm. you know, and women are finally sort of speaking out. I mean, they are speaking out, but women are still treated, not believed. I mean, it's still not like, uh, you know, there was this whole movement and yes, Harvey Weinstein went to prison and, and yes, Bill Cosby did too. And yet, you know, but still there are so many people like Brian Singer and all these people that are still not being punished because, you know, a lot of it is because they are men, especially if they're white men, it's a lot, a lot easier for them to get away with it and also it's just kind of excused and also people still think well they just let it happen I mean she could have done more to not let it happen I mean she just kind of let it happen so we still have that so I think it's interesting that they have a character do that and go through that because that to me is a lot more realistic of what Mm -hmm. that whole system is like I mean you also see it with IHC right now you know And that whole thing where all the people behind the scenes were trying to talk about all the abuses they suffer. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's entertainment, but there is a price that some people pay for the Mm -hmm. entertainment we consume.
2: I really appreciate you that you brought up the um, if, if it, if it's a man, it's, it's part of his creativity, part of his process. And I think they show that a little bit in the show writer for Philbert, who's, terrible, right? And, and sort of gets gets to act that way, because he's perceived as this genius, and he's not, he's a misogynistic idiot, right? But it's, it's perceived as dark and edgy, et cetera. And I I just wanted to add one comment on, I think, as women, too, we're socialized to take responsibility, not just for men's feelings um, that they put on us, right? But we're, we're socialized to be terrified, right? If we, if we don't return a man's attention, right, um, they might hurt us, because Mm -hmm. we didn't return their attention. If we are friendly to someone, then we're leading them on. So it's like we can't, we can't win, right? We're socialized that way. And then we're also socialized to think about everyone else who's affected. So I'm wondering, too, if in the Me Too movement, and and they touch on this a little bit in the show, but in the Me Too movement, if people were not pressured, like, look, if you say something about this, this production is going to shut down and all these people are going to lose oh, their yeah. job. Mm-hmm. And aren't you selfish? Aren't you such a selfish bitch for not just accepting this, mm-hmm. this treatment and not thinking about all these people? Well, setting a boundary around my personal um, body and, and what is appropriate or not is, is, does not mean I'm not thinking of other people. Right. Of Mm -hmm. of course we all know that, but I think that's an important thing that they think about as well. Whereas if a, if a man, um, in that role, um, is the, is the lead or something, I don't think they're held quite so accountable in terms of, Oh, you got to think about all the people that your behavior is affecting. I know some people feel that pressure. I'm not, I'm not trying to say they don't, but in this show, they're kind of making that double standard gendered commentary for sure. Well, and it's very true. It's like you look at Harvey Weinstein as the biggest example
1: of that. I interviewed an actress not too long ago when she said, everybody knew everybody in Hollywood knew who he was and knew what he was doing,
2: but they let him get away with it. I, you know, I just, I'm going to add something um, like, yeah, if it's cool. So this is not this is not only a Hollywood thing. Well, as no, we I all know. know. <laughs> no, no, I'll just share like when I went to graduate school, the the whole idea of like open secrets about gross men, we have to fucking stop that. I'm 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 going to get mad about it and it's late at night for me, so I can swear. Um so it's <laughs> but we have to stop that because like when I went to graduate school, I was told like informally, oh, don't take classes with so-and-so or don't be alone with so-and-so mm-hmm. because they kind of have this reputation. And just me being a young, not very, you know, aware person was well, like, oh, okay, I don't want to deal with that. So I won't take class. Instead of thinking, that is some bullshit. Why isn't somebody somebody doing about something about that? Because that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead, it was just more like, oh, you know, so and so likes to, you know, date a lot of their grad students and sort of that power imbalance is a problem. In the same way that a director hooking up with with actors would be a problem, even if it is consensual, it's a power or whatever Mm -hmm. the power balance is equivalent in the entertainment industry. It's a little weird and inappropriate. So, yeah, that is we got to do better. We we can't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard thing. And I do want to stress, I wasn't saying people that were the victims of Harvey Weinstein needed to do something about it because they did eventually because, you know, I'm talking about the people that sat by and watched it right. and didn't care because of what they, they were getting from that relationship. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a huge problem in every, 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 every industry out there. And another thing with gender dynamics, briefly, when you were talking about um, pregnancy and women handling being a mom and how sometimes it, it is different there too. Like I'm not a mom, so I can't speak personally to that, but I know I've had friends where I do hear them say that, you know, their, their husband's going to babysit the kids for the night. And I'm like, well, that to me is so problematic in itself saying that your husband's going to babysit his ki- his own kids to me it's that babysitting it's just you're going out and he's staying home with the kids i don't know that's always bothered me so it's just, it's just that kind of thing that where bothers it's automatically me <laughs> yeah it's automatically on the mom is the mm-hmm. responsible one it's
2: kind of like you know hero husband does 5 <laughs> minutes of what mom does all Freaking day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, look at how great. So here's, I mean, <laughs> this is challenging, but like in 1987, when my brother was born, my, my parents decided my mom would work full time and my dad would stay home to take care of my brother. And then my brother still went to daycare. It's, it's not as though, and anyway, 1987, rural Wisconsin, this was a newspaper story like that doesn't right (laughs) sadly but yeah (laughs) because you know it 1987 rural wisconsin was like 1962 everywhere else no i don't know but it just you know it just was like when i think about that now as an adult i'm like that is screwed up i mean it was fun to be in the newspaper but that's messed up yeah
1: yeah, it is. It is. And I think people still think that way today too. There are some people who think that way, you know, the gender roles and the gender dynamics. But yeah. And then and I didn't find much in my research on this. And so I'm not sure about any like episodes to point to or anything. But I want to talk about race and how the show handles that as well. So, Ishael, how do you think the show handles any issues regarding that? Uh, well,
0: first... The term I was looking for was household celebrity. Household name. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, like yes. 10 hours ago. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> well, that at least I she thought of it before
1: to, we were done. She, yeah, I know.
0: It finally came <laughs> to me. But uh, anyway, okay. So it handles race in very interesting ways because there's a lot of, you could almost consider the different categories of animals and, as their own kind of, um, you know, uh, I guess ethnicities or whatever, but um, it does deal with race and it, it kind of like it handles everything else. It, uh, it acknowledges the stereotypes and it acknowledges like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a white person. That's why they got away with this. And so in the show with its own dialogue, it, it touches on that, but also it's, of course it's satirical. And so there are things where like, they don't say it, but you can totally pick up on like what you mentioned with Todd, um, at the beginning when we first started talking. Um, and so I, I like how it handles that as well. Um, I, to me at first, I didn't really notice much of, it, it's very diverse because they're all kind of animals and all kinds of, even the human characters have like, you know, different color skins. And so it's very diverse. And so um, it addresses it without um, like beating it over the head, I guess, or it doesn't make an a point. Of like, look how diverse our cast is <laughs> or how, how diverse these characters are drawn or whatever. So I like that it's in there, but it does take some responsibility of saying, "Hey, here are some blatant stereotypes. Um, some of them we're going to make fun of. Some of them we're going to lean into. Some of them we're going to critique." Um, so I did like how it how it handled that. Tanya,
2: I think one thing to bring up that's important to sort of talk about on the metal level is that the one of the main characters, Diane Nguyen, is Vietnamese American. However, she's boi- voiced by a white actor, um, Allison Bree. And the show was, Allison Bree gives a wonderful performance, but the show was criticized for this. And I, I think that's an appropriate criticism. There are plenty of Vietnamese actors who could have voiced that part. And the I, from what I understand, the show runner uh, did acknowledge that later. Uh, and, and, um, I think apologized essentially saying that's a, you know, that's a valid critique and this was, um, this is a critique, right. And, and it, and it translates into this, this happened also with, um, I think one of the actors on big mouth, am I right about that, that, or someone that Jenny Slate was voicing was a character of color and they, they (sighs) said, this is not appropriate. I think and, so. And then of course the okay. most famous is Hank Azaria in The Simpsons.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. That's the most famous yeah. one. There's actually a great right. documentary about that. that
2: okay. You know, that one I yeah. I that makes sense. Um, but it's similar to the the criticism we're seeing with um able-bodied actors playing disabled characters. Something like mm-hmm. 80% of disabled characters on TV are played by able-bodied actors. And it is not because there aren't Actors with disabilities who want jobs. There absolutely are, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: so it's I think that's important to to acknowledge, and I I that's an appropriate criticism that I have that others that I share or I I recognize and validate. With respect to the the fictional canon of the show, I thought the the thing that comes to mind is if you can't tell, I just binge season six, and so that's why I'm talking about a lot of that. But Todd is has a stepfather who is um, Latino of his last name is Chavez and they don't, I don't know that they specify which ethnicity he is. I I don't recall. Todd um, sees his stepdad at some point and it's this very Todd wacky subplot, but basically Todd needs to steal his kidney back (laughs) from because he sold it for sock puppets. Um, To make the baby happy, the baby porcupine happy. This plot would only make sense on BoJack, right? I mean, if I'm pitching you this idea, you're like, okay, how many Benadryl did you take last night before you went to bed? And what kind of weird fever dream is this, Um, right? So Todd has to steal his kidney back from basically Walmart, (laughs) who is evil and owns everything. Okay. Okay. But in order to break into this place, Todd is they steal um, an ID and Todd is pretending to be Diane Nguyen. And of course, that doesn't go well. And his uh, stepdad eventually undoes his takes off his tie, messes up his hair and grabs a garbage can and basically pretends to be a janitor and speaks Spanish and pretends not to speak English. And that's how, and so relies on those stereotypes and those microaggressions by um, broader society to be able to get access to to this place, right? And so I thought that was really interesting. He he doesn't want to do it. He finds you know it demeaning and frustrating. He'll do it to help his stepson accomplish this goal. Also because they need the kidney to save. Uh, Todd's mom. Sorry, there's like a really actual valid issue here. So I thought that was um, that was really interesting. And then just a fun aside for this show in terms of being very satirical and taking it to a point of hyperbole, hy- hyperbolically wild, but also you're kind of like, ooh, ouch, that's sort of something that exists. The the Walmart guy the head of walmart i forget his name right in this not real walmart i'm sorry i shouldn't say walmart i don't want to get sued okay not real walmart fictional walmart person walmart not the real walmart (laughs) fictional satirical whale he's a whale right white whale because yeah he's a white whale okay he um literally murders a union organizer and diane is this reporter and she's finding out the story and she's like i'm gonna break this story i'm gonna take you down he's like actually congress just legalized murder if you're a billionaire and they <laughs> and she's like what and they show a fake cnn headline basically that congress legalized murder for billionaires and you're just like you know it's of course awful and terrible and hope not but you it's re it's pointing out the financial disparities and the racial disparities and prejudice in the criminal justice system, the criminal injustice system, we should say.
1: Yeah, that's
2: yeah. Very, (laughs) very true. That's why I always say uh,
1: the purge movies could actually happen. (laughs) So just putting that out there. um, I've always thought that, that they could actually happen because yeah, I can see that happening. That's the, sad scary part about it uh but yeah it is important to address when um i think people think with animation that oh it's okay then if we have somebody white playing uh somebody of another race and that that's okay because it's animation but it's not okay um it it makes a difference um you know, and the excuse of, well, there wasn't anybody available is the excuse that a lot of people use um, throughout history. And especially with the able-bodied playing disabled people. I mean, when we talked about um, Superstore not too long ago, Superstore has great representation. However, the character of Garrett <laughs> is played by an able-bodied actor. And yeah. That wasn't necessary. So it's 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 that kind of thing where it's like, okay, we're doing really well and we're highlighting a lot of issues and we're talking about them, but then there's these other missteps, and so mm-hmm. I think that's something we definitely need to do better.
2: Yeah. I was enjoying that show and I like that actor who plays that character in Superstore, mm-hmm. but then that issue was really tough for me that he's able-bodied and the character is not, and then they did a a very transphobic subplot, and I was like. Mm, nope i'm out and i had to leave Mm -hmm. yeah well because i think it's a very 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 good show about the retail
1: i mean it's so accurate about the way we treat retail workers and the way yeah i yeah i worked at a
0: grocery store in high school and it's
1: exactly like that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's like you know and they uh their last season they did address the pandemic and while I actually honestly don't like a lot of shows addressing it, I will be frank, I would rather it be left off of a lot of shows, but I think it was necessary for this show since it was dealing with um people that were on the front lines in a different way than people talk about. So yeah, yeah. But but that is an issue. I'm I mean, it's just still an issue that exists today. You look at Scarlett Johansson and all the many roles that she has been in. Or turned down after backlash. Not because I, I still don't think it's necessarily because she wanted to turn him down. I I will be frank about that. But yeah, and stop using the excuse that the that we don't have actors that are available because that's bullshit. <laughs> it's just complete and utter bullshit. And it's lazy. It's just completely lazy, in my opinion. Um, not only lazy, but racist. It's it's everything mm. under
0: the under the sun. So. I saying, I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something that you we just get so used to kind of overlooking that stuff. And I didn't even think about it because it's animated and I think it I know who she is because I loved community. And so I know who that who that actress is. Uh, but I didn't even think about that. Uh, but it's like even if it's an animated thing, it's still in, in that case, like, okay, what really what is the reason why you didn't cast somebody mm-hmm. um, you know, that was that um ethnicity because you couldn't even see their face. So it was like, <laughs> yeah. And I guess she's well-known, Allison is, but she, but only, I, I feel like it's more of like a cult classic, that that show. But I do think she's a, she's a great actress, but yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because even me, that makes me think about, okay, why did I just overlook that? And it so makes me kind of circle back to it and say, hmm, that is a good, that's an interesting mm-hmm. point. That's a good question.
1: Yeah, because I do think it is the animation side. I think it's the animated thing that makes people who, you know, you may not necessarily even think about it you know, you can overlook it a lot easier, I think, because you're not thinking about it because you're like, well, it's just animated. What does that matter? But, but it does. And so the criticism is, is very valid. And I'm glad to hear that the uh, showrunner did address it and acknowledge it because that's, you know, I'm not, you know, necessarily patting them on the back and saying, yay, you. But I think it's good that they at least acknowledge it, because I think that's very, very important that we do talk about it and try and try and try and try try to do better. Okay. well, this has been a really great conversation. I think we've gotten into some great things, but I do want to just ask both of you if there's anything else you wanted to mention, anything at all about the show.
0: I would say that. I like how it addresses some of the the emptiness that's in the pursuit of celebrity and you know that that sort of thing because you you mentioned it earlier how Bojack is pursuing these things that are ultimately very shallow and even when he has them he realizes how shallow just how shallow that they are you know they they don't fill that void that he has in him um, you know I saw the episode where um, Herb dies and they go to his funeral and all of the, his horsing around gang, they're all back together. And in his mind it's like, Hey, the family's all here. And they're like, we're not a real family. That was just a TV show. But in his mind, that was the only time that he really belonged somewhere and felt like he existed. Like he had, like he was this person of worth and of value and how he's just continued to chase that. Um, and I do think that is something that, um, that happens with the, the pursuit of that level of uh, of fame and celebrity. Um, and you kind of get get lost in it. But also I like how it shows it does that thing, you know, that tabloids do where like celebrities are just like us. <laughs> but but <laughs> instead of doing it with like showing him with the Starbucks cup, it's like, no, he's like legitimately messed up and he has an undiagnosed mental illness and he has addiction issues and he has these other problems. And not that makes him a horrible person, but it's like this makes him human just like us. And so I like that it is a commentary on celebrity in that way too, where it says the things that society has valued and worshiped and praised, like all of that's empty because they're just messed up human beings. Just, just like, just like we are, you know? So I did kind of like that about the overall theme of the show also said. Yeah. And Tanya.
2: Yeah. I have like three things I want to mention and that's a lot, but, um, so I'll just say, I want to shout out for the episode I don't remember what season, but they basically go to underwater world. Um, and it's it's sort of meant to be like another country and there's no dialogue or there's hardly no dialogue, there's hardly any dialogue blah, in the episode and it's just very, very creative and clever and very well done. and, and the issue is a communication problem <laughs> like so it's you know very on the nose. Um, also, I was laughing like a, a wild person on the airplane when I was watching the one where I'm a professor. <laughs> so when Bojack's an adjunct professor, I don't teach acting, of course, which is good. We Nobody wants that. I'm not qualified. <laughs> um, but he's teaching acting and he's trying to tell these two students, this is terrible. He should should not do that. But he's trying to be like, Um, do you have any kind of backup career plans? (laughs) It is awful. But then he's going to, Bojack is going to AA meetings. So the actors all decide they're going to break into the AA meeting and pretend to be old or pretend to be whatever. And then they're proving to Bojack they're a real actor. And it's just ridiculous. And I was, and Bojack's like apologizing because one is pretending to be drunk or pretending to be an alcoholic. And Bojack's like, embarrassed, apologizing for the person while they're like flailing around and doing this horrible, stereotypical, ridiculous bit. And I don't know why that just, I couldn't, I could, I lost it. Okay. But the third thing I wanted to mention that we didn't talk about a ton, but we, we have to like get it in there quick is parenting. And the um, the comments on parenting and mothering in the show, the Bojack's mom is awful. She's horrible. But you see, and boy, that episode where they show that just it just breaks your heart. It's so talking about gender. Um, her mother, Bojack's grandmother, uh, loses a child in the war, and is like so distraught with grief and depression that uh, is interpreted as you know female hysteria that she's lobotomized and it is tragic and awful. And she basically, Beatrice Bojack's, Beatrice is the mother's name, I think Bojack's mother, the lesson she takes from that is don't ever love anything or anyone. And so this is why she, so the generational trauma, right, of, and the effects of that, whether you believe that's carried on in your DNA or whether that's Influencing how people act and behave. I think that the fact that they show that is, is pretty interesting. Um, Free churro is also pretty amazing. Uh, it's just like a whole monologue episode about when, when interest dies. Yeah. It's so that's, that's heartbreaking, but also real. This happened to people. This happened to women, right. In that, which would have been, it was the world war two, I believe the forties. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did I pick the worst depressing thing to end on?
0: <laughs> well, I okay, going back to parenting. I did like that it had um what was her name? I, I know the the comedian's name, well uh, Aparna something. Uh she ends up being Bojack's sister, right? Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, but she has like five dads. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has some diversity there too, you know, just showing like a different kind of a different kind of family dynamic so that, mm-hmm. that's something positive <laughs>
2: yeah hollyhock yeah she I Holly Hawk, her yes. and that, yeah she's so she's so ends up being so good for bojack actually yeah. um but they've mm-hmm. heard they, they showed the picture on her about her body and she yeah. ends up like um a pill addiction right because actually yeah. mm-hmm. grandma Beatrice, mm-hmm. well i not yes yeah, spoiler bojack anyway the, the horrible gender internalized oppression like of you got to be skinny. And also, we didn't mention this, but Diane um, has depression, goes on antidepressants. And one of the reasons she doesn't want to go on it is she's afraid it'll hurt her creative process. And she's afraid mm-hmm. she'll gain weight.
0: Yeah. And
2: she does gain weight.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And she does with medication and she gets through it and she doesn't lose the weight. Like, yeah. at least. Yeah. And, and it's not nobody shames her as far as i am recalling or really nothing there's no commentary on her size she -hmm. does struggle with the effects of the vacation um and gets through that eventually yeah but
0: but but even after all that she ends up in the happiest place that we ever see diane you know and so i do like how they how they deal with that too. Like they take these very real issues and she ultimately learns to accept that about herself. Okay. I need this, this tool, this medication to help me deal Mm -hmm. with my stuff. And with that is going to come this weight gain and these other things, like trying to, you know, figure out how to deal with the side effects of her, of her medicine. But she ultimately, accepts all these things, all these truths about herself. And then she's truly content and happy with who, with who she is. And it's not in this like, everything's perfect kind of way, but it's just like, I'm Diane and this is who I am. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: wonderful. Seriously. I really, really did love this conversation. And I'll just say, you know, we cover fandom. We talk, I mean, we all met through fandoms through different things that we're fans of. And I do think, you know, at times, we as fans can excuse a lot as well in celebrities um and we can get a little bit too obsessed in that celebrity thing and forget that these people are just people (laughs) they're just regular human beings and you know they're good they're bad they're a mix of everything and that hero worship can sometimes take over And we get our own, you know, obsessions or different people that we love and idolize. And it can be hard when they fall off that fake pedestal that we have put them on. So I think it's interesting also to watch this show from that point of view, too, as a fan and see it critique that as well. So thank you both. I really did enjoy this conversation a lot. And I hope you both did as well. So thank you.
2: Thank you. That's great.
0: Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we'll just close out. And Ishael, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you and your podcast, most importantly.
0: Sure. Um, I don't have any of my own personal social media because I just cannot get myself together. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you can find Liberty Diner Dish. We're at Liberty Diner Dish on most social media platforms, except on Twitter, because that was too long. And we are at Diner Dish there. And uh, Ken is my co-host. Hello, Ken. Uh, So uh, yeah, you can find all of our podcast episodes there. We're getting ready to kind of revamp some of our social media stuff. We were just kind of doing the bare minimum um, because uh, that's not our forte and uh, we're getting ready to revamp all of that. So it should be a little bit more exciting in the next month or two
1: awesome awesome and they're just about to start season four of queer as folk so they're on season four because if you don't know what they do is is already watched the whole series this is ken's first time watching it and ken was on our queer as folk episode earlier he was only on part of it because we made him leave because of spoilers <laughs> i'm very
0: serious about the spoilers
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and i know he fights that right He's always trying
0: to-
2: Spoilers!
1: Oh yeah, he's always Ken. like,
0: look me in my face and look me in the eyes and tell me what happens with this. <laughs> yeah, 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 and
1: yeah. So, so they're just starting season four, and if you know anything about me and Queers folk, this is my favorite season. So I can't wait to hear its reaction, and I can't wait uh, soon. You will be able to hear me on their. Di- I keep saying dissecting. It sounds so weird, but delving into Brian Kinney. And it's been so much fun. We It's been like a class, Tanya, and we're doing like Brian Kinney in each season. So we've already done season one, season two, and then we I just recorded season three. And so, yeah. yeah. so And then season four is the one I'm most excited about. I'll we'll appreciate this
0: as a professor. It's like, you know, level 101 course, level 201 course, level 301 course. Yep. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. I like that. I love it. I love it. Like, um, it's sort of like um, inter, like. Beginner's Guide to Brian Kenny, intermediate yep. Brian Kenny Studies, Advanced <laughs> yeah. Brian Kenny. I don't know mm-hmm. the show, I'm just riffing. Mm-hmm. But I could write the <laughs> titles true. of the courses for you um, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's it perfect. is perfect. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And we spend
1: like over two hours talking about, about postmodern
2: this. <laughs> Brian Kenny. Yes.
1: Postmodern <laughs> Brian Kenny. Yeah, yeah. When
2: you watch the show,
1: I'll be curious because because, you know. Carla finally watched it and she, she hates Brian Kinney. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the thing that we thought about. She likes the performance. It's a, it's one of the best performances, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So definitely if you're a fan of Queers Folk, and I know a lot of our listeners are, except I think most of our listeners that are fans of Queers Folk found us because of Liberty Diner Dish. So, but if you don't already listen to Liberty Diner Dish and you're a Queers Folk fan, what are you doing? Go listen to them. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Right, go easy on, on us. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're good. And, we, and we've got we've got a couple more coming up. We've got one with here's Alice Allen coming out soon. That was Hunter. And we've got a couple more coming out uh, soon. But uh I was gonna say, give us a little grace on those first episodes because we didn't really know what we were doing. So, so. <laughs> That should be said so, for every podcast, yeah, honestly. Go easy on The first few episodes, you're finding your footing. Exactly. So, and Ken yes. was like super shy. And he was like, Can I can I curse? Can I say this? Can I say that? But now he's just like, you know, his wonderful self. He's he's awesome. I, I love Ken.
2: And Tanya, where can they find you? You can. I don't have a podcast, and I feel like I should. I feel lazy. I have one slice of pizza left from that I've been eating for two days. I'm at a convention. I didn't say that, so um, I. I want to. No, I want to podcast. I'll just be on yours, Erin, uh, or whoever will have me. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Capital A Capital K Nerd Fighting, and the N and F are also capitalized. I research fandom based. Uh, charity work and activism. And I'm also a big nerd, as you can tell. And I like sociology because I spent like 20 years getting degrees in that. And then they were like, no, no more degrees. Now you teach. Um, Okay. Anyway, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. And, And
1: Tanya, I can say this, right? You have a novel coming out soon. Right, I can say
2: that. Can I, uh, I say wish that? it was a novel. No, it's not a novel, but yes, you oh, can I say mean a book. A, a book. book, sorry, a book. That's okay. It's a it's nonfiction. It's the opposite it's of a nonfiction. Novel. That's what I Yes, sorry. It's, I, no, it's okay. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. We're tired. <laughs> well, I couldn't remember are smart people. Yeah, no, not not so much. Thank you. But um I shouldn't say that. It's for all it's for everyone. It's I feel like Mr. Peanut Butter sometimes. We didn't talk about Mr. Peanut Butter enough. Um He's amazing. <laughs> we'll talk about him another time. But yes, I do. The draft is due soon, which is part of why my brain's a little bit mush right now. Um, and it'll be out early 2023. And we, I will bother you, Aaron, to do a whole podcast about that maybe at some point. Yes. Cool. No, I have
1: you on my <laughs> list to interview you. So if it's not going to be 2023, then – because I because I had you down in 2022 as a potential. But since mm-hmm. it's not going to be out until 2023, whatever you – want to do mm-hmm. because yeah and we're, we're interviewing a lot of writers by the way everybody and it's and it's great because i haven't been able to read and now i'm reading because i have to read from these interviews so i'm reading all these books that i'm like i haven't done this in forever because i haven't had time and this is aaron you can follow me on twitter at e april beauty the e and the a and the b are capitalized be sure to like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod, on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. And on our next podcast episode, which you might have already seen the live stream of it, we're going to be talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender. This is, again, something I am very, very oblivious to. (laughs) New to, but Tanya will be returning for that one. So, (laughs) so you may have already seen this one. This may, you may, this may be like deja vu for you right now, (laughs) but that one will be a lot of fun. It's going to be Tanya and Carla and Susie, Jill, not Jill. I'm sorry. Judy may come on, may not. She's not sure. So we may have everybody on there. So it'll be a full panel, really packed panel, but I'm looking forward to talking about that.
2: Oh, didn't mean to interrupt. It's no, awesome no, because ahead. there's a ton of Avatar cosplayers here. I'm at Emerald City Comic Con this weekend. And uh, maybe I'll mention this tomorrow night because it would be more relevant. I'm saying out anyway because I'm excited. I'll send you a photo <laughs> of the people I took a picture of. But um, that some of the voice actors from Avatar are here at the con. Oh, too, so fun. okay. Yeah, you'll definitely
1: have to talk about that then, then when we do that. And since this is dropping Wednesday, remember Thursday night's we do our live tweets of Dexter, the new season of Dexter. And then we do live streams. That starts at the live tweets start at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So that's 6 Pacific, 8 Central, 9 Eastern. And then we do live streams at 815 Mountain Standard Time. If you watched the last one, you know that I'm very upset at this show right now. I was on cloud nine and then my heart got broken. And Jen, my lovely podcast, Brain Twin, and Carla, we're both kind of laughing at my pain. <laughs> um, but I love them still. But they've been a lot of fun. So join us on that. And pretty soon we're going to have an episode talking about the first five episodes. So it'll be more in-depth and it won't be as goofy and silly. Um, but yeah, but those are still a lot of fun. And it's still 10 times better than the second half of American Horror Story ever could hope to be. So, until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop
0: Asian Hate. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>